today and this week is on marketing, communication, branding, and I thought we'd get one of the best in the field. We have Professor Jim Hanchett, who's the director of SPIA's Marketing and Communications. So anything good that you hear about SPIA, it's because of him. And so he's going to tell you how to make your lives and your organizations look good. <laughs> It's not exactly thunderous, but you know, <laughs> maybe that's coming later. I'm the director of marketing and communications at SPIA. I also teach an undergraduate uh, writing class, and we're going to talk this morning about how to reach an audience, convince an audience, and move an audience to action. When I came in this morning, I was excited about the breakfast possibilities because of an incident at my house this morning. Yesterday afternoon, I got two teenage sons, and a seven year old and a nine year old. And I got an urgent text message yesterday afternoon, and it's sort of every parent's nightmare, and it said, Dad, we need popcorn. We're out of Pop-Tarts. And so I went to the store last night and I bought Pop-Tarts. And I thought, you know, apparently pretty good now. But I get home this morning and apparently, or breakfast time this morning, and I didn't do it right. So I need to do a, a pop quiz. All right, on Pop-Tarts, all right, those who like no frosting and those who like frosted Pop-Tarts. See, this is the heart of the matter. I bought Pop-Tarts with no frosting. Thinking to myself, these are like sugar bumps. Like, what the hell is the difference? <laughs> and so I served these Pop-Tarts this morning. I got on paper plates. We do it up at my house. And, and the kids go, Dad, who even eats these? <laughs> and but there's a point to this, okay? I didn't ask the audience. I, I didn't. I didn't say in response to this text message, did you get arrested? No. I didn't say what kind of pop tarts, okay, or, or what flavor. I didn't ask you. I spent one ahead figuring pop tarts, pop tarts, and life will be good. And that's the heart of this message this morning. Is right? Is know your audience, find out what they want, and then give it to them in a way that moves them to action. In my case, it was getting into school, okay, with little pop-tart stuff around their mouth. And it didn't work. And you can like now sleep through the next 40 minutes of it because I'm just going to expand on that whole concept. And this is like rudimentary. This was like, I've I really upped my PowerPoint game since this one. All right, Robin Williams, anybody seen Dead Poets Society? Oh, it's a good movie, right? All right. He says in it, no matter what people tell you, words and ideas can change the world. And that's what we're talking about this morning is how your words, your ideas can change the world. Storytelling, choosing the right words and the right images. Okay, Frosted Pop-Tarts, but finding an audience. Okay, in my case, you know, they sleep in pajamas, uh, but your audience is out there probably right now sleeping in pajamas and then moving them to action. Those are the steps uh, that we're going to talk about this morning. And I know you're thinking at this point, God, is a goof. Who are you? Oh, wait, oh, we did the who are you and then the who me in. I'd rather talk about myself, but I'll pretend for like five minutes here to talk about you. Do we have anybody here who's not a space student? Wow, okay. All right, you guys wanted to class next door and just kind of like ramble in here? What are you studying? I'm a theater major. Theater, okay. Anybody else? Fine, fine arts, right? Yeah. Wow. Anybody else? Yeah? Outdoor recreation. Wow, what a mix. Okay, and then and then most of the rest of you space students, do we have anybody here who's a senior? Oh, God, well, they're good luck. Okay. Anybody here who's a freshman? Okay, we can make fun of them then. All right, cool. Anybody here from like not Indiana? Really? Wow. You're from Chicago, right? Oh, I forget. Where? Where? DC. DC. Okay, that's like that's like almost Indiana. Uh, it's, it's flat, largely. Uh, it's kind of us. We got some hills too. Anybody from California? I was like, I had a, I assumed my class two semesters ago from Santa Barbara. And it was like eight degrees outside and like gray, snowing sideways. What on earth are you doing here? And then I thought, wait, the marketing guy got you here. Hey, that would be me. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> All right, there's a lesson in this, okay? All right, when I, when I got here, from, I moved here from Virginia. I was news director at a small television station in Charlottesville. 
And I thought, you know, hey, higher education sounds good. And so they said, you have to go get your ID picture taken. And I thought, well, so, you know, that's not a big deal. Nobody will ever see that. And it'll be on, like, a little card. And then I, re I didn't realize then that this, like, picture follows you around the rest of your life, essentially. Okay? At the moment of my, like, death, you know, in some hideous way that's, like, national news, right? It would be, I think. <laughs> this is the photo they're going to use, okay? This is a better photo of me. <laughs> hey, that's me. I was in uh, broadcast news, newspaper reporter, TV news for some 30 years. The highlight of my career from uh, you know, standing here and bragging uh, kind of point, is I was a correspondent for NBC News for about 10 years, uh, 1990 to about 2001, 2002, and I covered the Oklahoma City bombing and the O.J. Simpson trial and 9-11 and Bush-Gore election fight, which is very different than the election fight we're having right now, and a bunch of other big news. I met my wife in my job at NBC. Anybody here ever been to Joliet, Illinois? No, no, jo everybody see Silence of the Lambs, the movie Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Okay, there's a prison in Silence of the Lambs, okay? And that's the prison where I met my wife. She was outside. I, I, didn't, I didn't time that joke right. I better work on that. Uh, delivery error. You are not. I was not outside either. No, see, there it is. Thank you. Thank you. Ed McMahon helping me out. Uh, no, I was sent to cover the execution of John Wayne Gacy. Anybody here from Chicago area? Remember John Wayne Gacy? He was like the nation's first serial killer. You didn't think you'd be talking about this at 8 o'clock in the morning. He like buried a, killed a bunch of kids and buried them in the basement, and they executed him in Joliet. And I was sent to cover that. I was on the West Coast in Los Angeles, and my wife was a producer for NBC News from the East Coast. And now we've just met, and love happened right there in front of the prison. <laughs> so what do I do? I write news releases. I'm the Twitter guy. It's B-S-B-I-U-B. Okay, and you're following, right? Of course you are. And retweeting, just madly retweeting. Oh, I hope he does something soon so I can retweet. <laughs> and I do social media for Spia. All those glossy brochures. Our office does those. Uh, the Spia website, uh, spia.indiana.edu. Click on madly. We need the numbers. That's our business. And the banners and the signs and all that kind of stuff. Pretty much anything to do with marketing communications at Spia. So, what's the difference between marketing and communications? This is the audience involvement part of the process. Do I get to call names? This is so exciting. Carly, what's the difference between marketing and communications? Depends, maybe not a lot. Yeah, that's a good answer. Wow. Anybody else? It is. There's not a, there's not a huge difference. Anybody else? Oh, yes. Marketing can also like has to do with advertising where communications is more maybe informational. Right. Also, I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right on it. And marketing generally, you're paying for it. You know, you're producing, you're buying ads, you're putting out brochures, you're paying for stuff. Communications is usually you try to do that at a lower cost and reach a broader audience, but they're about the same. There's no huge difference. So if you go to work for a nonprofit and they have a marketing leader, that's probably the same person who's also the communications leader. I'm just warning you, it's all, it's all kind of a mix. We're gonna do a case study this morning for SPIA. One of the things when I first got here as the marketing communications director we had a problem with is the name of the damn place. Okay, what the heck is a speed? Okay, that's a problem. And then how do you get students to go to a place, you know, that has such an odd name? So we had to figure out who Spia's audience is. You work for a nonprofit, or for-profit for that matter, and they say, we, we, we want to do this, we want to accomplish this, and you say to yourself, okay, what do I need to do? What are the steps? <coughs> These are the steps. Figure out your audience. For us, the audience, prospective students, all right, you're the money. We're not supposed to say it quite that way, bluntly, but hey, uh, prospective faculty, we want the top professors here, people like Dr. Fulton, who want to come to work at IU. Prospective donors, those are the people that provide scholarship money and research funders and thought leaders. We want a great reputation, so we need to reach them. Alumni want to keep them engaged and bold. They provide jobs, mentoring, giving internships. 
You know, you call them up, you go, help, I need some work, and they'll help you out. And then current students, faculty, like that guy, and staff. So that's all of our audience. When I got here, we had a bunch of different sort of marketing themes. One was the one probably just before your time, if you're a senior, was good starts here. Right, who's against good, right? Good starts here. But before that was smart policy, sound science, and strong communities. That was our tagline. You still see us in t-shirts now and again. It's like a t-shirt with fine print, because that's a lot of words. Make a world of difference. That goes back to like the 1990s and 1980s. If your parents went to SPIA, they remember making a world of difference. And it's just, it's not easy because we're trying to market something that has like no meaning, the name. What's a SPIA? When I got here, I saved the day. When I got here, the website was a mismatch. It was not mobile friendly. If you were a prospective student or you wanted to give money, you know, God love you, you figure out what to do. My website, the whole arts administration program, there are any art students here? Yeah, yeah, we, you weren't part of the deal. There was like a political like, and so the arts program was like, no, we're not going to be part of your website, okay? We're going to take our football and leave. And well, that can't work. You can't have a marketing communications effort that like, you know, like you have like the black sheep cousin, you can't do that. Undergraduate and uh, graduate recruiting materials look like we're coming from different universes. Okay, well you can't do it that way. So, in the last few years we've launched a new website, spia.indm.edu. We wanted to organize it around the guiding theme as we launched this website, right? You want everything to be cohesive. So that you know when you see it, when you hear it, when you hear somebody else talking about it, it's all the same general <coughs> So we needed a new tagline. Now taglines aren't by any means, you know, the end all and be all of marketing, but they're kind of helpful. And for this case, this is the case study about taglines. We do other things to unify our marketing effort, but the tagline's an easily approachable concept. All right, here's some taglines from other colleges. Start here, go anywhere. That's one of my favorites. That's pretty much universal, people. Going anywhere starts here, okay? Go farther than you ever dreamed, okay? That's pretty much a nice way of saying, you, you know, you're kind of stupid, but we're gonna actually help you become more. From here, it's possible. Possible is everything. Realize what's possible, and then redefine the possible, and then one of my all-time favorites, why go anywhere else? Don't ask a question that you don't want to know the answer to. So those are, those are other college taglines. So we had to do better than that. The branding tagline should reflect the mission. Oh, you guys have a book, right? Do they still have a book in this class? Yeah, you got a book. I think it says this in your book, that the branding and tagline should be. Does it, does it say this? Have you gotten to that chapter yet? Am I in the right, am I in the right <laughs> I think it says that in there. I think you're about to discover it. And when you get there, you're going to go, aha, I remember that. So here's our mission statement at SPIA. Uh, this is well buried. To foster the preeminent community of principled, creative, and skilled practitioners and leaders who serve the public good from an interdisciplinary, there's a nickel word, and global perspective. Okay, there's no tagline sitting inside that. Although foster is close to frosting, but that's okay. <coughs> okay, so there's no tagline. It can't reflect the mission. So how do you find a tagline? This is what we did. This is what you did when you go to work for United Way, and they say, we need something, the donations are down, and you say, okay, we're gonna find out how to reach people. We're gonna find out how to move them to make uh, contributions. We had focus groups, student organizations. We asked everybody around SPIA, what do you think? What are the words that brought you here? What speaks to you about this place? We had lots of email threads. I can't tell you the number of other people in the building who I just sent them a note saying, coming up with a new tagline, new way to define the school, what do you think, what do you want? And then we just kept moving it around and moving it around. We surveyed students, especially those who didn't come here. This is something that people often forget in a marketing communications position, is, is you don't just talk to the people who sign up, contribute, who volunteer, you talk to those who decide not to. You come up with a way to reach them. They fell out of the 
something, whatever, and you call them up and you go, okay, you know, I'm not going to come, you know, and like, you know, kill your dog. Just tell me why you were interested, but then you didn't do anything. Because that group will really tell you where you're coming up short. Be honest. And so we always survey students who apply and accept it and, and don't come here. And we do the same with donors who somehow just like drop off. You know, they gave $5,000 and then they like, you know, can't send us 50 cents. What, what happened? So you talk to people who didn't come here. We look for common words and phrases as we, as we stirred this drink. We look for what some people said about the place and that other people said who were somewhat different. We looked for, uh, to listen to how people talk about it. We asked people, tell me about this. Tell me about Sphere. What Sphere did it mean to you? And we will ask them what they wanted to get out of it, what you came here for, okay? It's not just, you know, the toast in, you know, in the basement cafe, as good as that may be. It's why did you enroll in this school? And we looked at other similar institutions, other schools of public affairs, and what they used. Now, one of our top competitors is Harvard, which is the Kennedy School. And, of course, President John F. Kennedy famously said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And so Harvard's School of Public Affairs has a tagline, ask what you can do. Now, if Svi had a name for a former president, this might have been, who had a gift for words, this might have been simple, but we aren't. And so Kennedy School has an advantage. They have a name and a tagline built into that guy. A tagline has to be more than what you are. Uh, it has to have a value proposition, what you get out of being our customer, our donor, or supporter. It's true for any nonprofit. It's not just, you know, we do good things. It's what you will get out of working with us, because otherwise, you don't, you, there's part of you that doesn't care. It's what's in it for me. And that's what a tagline has to reflect. What's in it for me? What do I get out of it? Here are some really good taglines. The Maryland SPCA, feel the warmth of a cold nose. Why does that, if you accept the premise, why does that work? Why does that work as a tagline for the SPCA in trying to adopt dogs? Oh, I'm gonna have to call names. Yeah, how does it work? It's kind of like paints a picture. Yeah. Right? It's not just a picture of the dogs there. It's not come rescue our, you know, sad little dogs. It's what you get out of it, right? It's what you get out of rescuing a dog. And it's not just, you'll have a lovely pet, but this is memorable. Feel the warmth of a cold nose. It's not feel the warmth of a nose, right? What works? The cold nose. Oh, it's a lonely dog. Feel the warmth of a cold nose. All right, University of West Florida Library. The quickest way from Q to A. Okay? It's not just come here, we have facts. It's come here and get your questions answered. The quickest way from Q to A. The Community Food and Justice Coalition. Food for people, not for profit. That one doesn't quite work as well because it doesn't tell you what you get out of donating for it. The Lake Champlain International Organization. Nice, beautiful lake in upstate New York. Clean water, healthy fish, happy people. Those are good taglines. I especially like to feel the warmth of a cold nose. I think that works exceptionally well. I wish I'd come up with that. So, after a great deal of thought, negotiation, and wordsmithing, we came up with a speed of tackle. Does anybody know what it is? See, this is the exact example of don't ask a question you don't want the answer. <laughs> <laughs> are we got a tagline? Yeah? Can we agree with it? It is. It is. It's lead for the greater good. It's lead for the greater good. Okay. Drum roll. Drum roll. All right, there it is in action. Uh, lead for the greater good. Okay. Why does it say lead for the greater good? Each word matters, okay? One of the things we think is, is we're a little bit different than our friends at Kelly. Do we have any? One of you guys is from Kelly. Okay, this is the 
close your ears part of the, of, the, of, the, of the hour. Is that those, you know, rapacious bastards over at Kelly are out there, okay? <laughs> I'm kidding. Are, are just out there to make as much money as they can, okay? All right. Well, we're different than them, okay? All right. We serve everybody, okay? The greater good. Not just our good, but the greater good. Now, we could have said, leave for the public good, okay? Or leave for the common good. Believe me, we looked at all these options. But then I was driving up High Street right over here on the way back from lunch, and I thought, what's public good and common good sounds like common good? What's a better word? Greater! Who's not in favor of greater? We love great, right? Who doesn't like great? The greater good, that's it. But it's not just the greater good, it's leave for the greater good. It's come here and you will leave as a leader, right? Not as some pedestrian like cubicle dweller. But you're in charge when you get out of here, right? So that's the point of the tagline, is we serve all of humanity, we help the world, we make a world of difference, and you will emerge as something different. Maybe you already are a leader and wherever you're coming from, but when you're, when you're out of here, man, you're ready to go lead for the greater good. And as a result of that, and this stuff happened organically, which makes <coughs> an indication you've done okay, we have the Lead for the Greater Good Council at SPIA. We have the Greater Good Award, which goes to uh, like a faculty member. It gets woven into speeches. And I write a lot of the speeches for our dean, so it just happens that I put it in there. But it happened randomly at graduation last year. The graduation speakers at commencement were talking about leading for the greater good. Oh, the marketing guy, very happy. It's on swag, it's all over our website. We sponsor IU Baseball. That's a long story. But it was on the scoreboard at the baseball field here. It said, greater good. And uh, they gave out the star of the game, the star of the baseball game, got the greater good award on Twitter. And then that reached thousands of new people who all said, leave for the greater good, or greater good, or attach greater good to speed. So attach this warm, fuzzy, wonderful uh, line to our school. So that's the process of developing a marketing tool. I should know that without having to look at it. Figure out your audience. That's what we did. Respect students, all that stuff. Scan the environment. What are other people doing? How are they doing this? What's working for them? And you hone the message. You listen to what people are saying. They want frosted pop tarts. Give them frosted pop tarts. You put it into action. This is the part, a lot of times, nonprofits especially, because they rotate marketing directors and they rotate boards and all that kind of thing, they, they, get, they get a good tagline, or they get a good message, and then it just like, somebody new comes along and they do it differently. So you gotta stick with it and build equity in. So in my office, approve all uses of it. Uh, we have actually a branding guide at SPIA, ways that different offices can use those words, those colors. We have different colors for different parts of the school that they can use on the website or whatever. You can't like swap stuff out on Leech for the Greater Good. You've got to use those words together. So, and we're going to use this for the next, we've used it now for three or four years. We're probably going to use it for another at least four or five years. And then by that point, it might be time for something new. Uh, but we're going to hold on to it as long as we can. Does anybody have any questions about that? Has anybody done an exercise like this where you've come up with a way to describe your organization? Brad, have they done anything like this? Yeah, you got one over there. Where, oh, I'm sorry. Carly, yeah. I'm on the marketing committee for IU Student Foundation for like Bill 500 for advertising, and this year we're trying to like move more towards a more like modern, because they're very like, IU, like red and white only, like right. traditional kind of colors and fonts, and so we're trying to move more to appeal more to the younger crowd because that's like who participates the most in the little fight. Right. Okay, so the colors, the crimson and green, by the way, not red and white. But, but you're limited. I mean, here's the challenge, right? Little five, you guys know what we're talking about. The white person's been around forever. 
okay? I part of what the allure of it, right? It's the tradition that this is this is on you, right? So you can't you can't call it like the little four hundred and thirty, right? You got to keep stay with the name. We actually last year branded like specifically, so now it's only called the not little five. It's little five hundred. Like if any like Greek or other organization like references it, it has to use little five hundred and right. have the IUSF logo. And we're still like branding everything with little five hundred. And like having our logo, like a little kind of the star. Okay. So how do you how do you reach students? Well, this year we're trying to do more branding that has to connect to like popular music. Cause like one thing, when you see something that's like on the bus and it's like just basic, I used to be like, oh, it has to do with school. Like I'm not paying attention. But if you see like this year, like we're doing like a bus ad that looks like the Drake album cover, and we're doing one that looks like the Kanye one and right. stuff, just to appeal more. It's like that's going to catch students' eyes more. Okay. It's just like the basic IU colors and like fonts and okay. stuff. Okay. And what do you want people to do? Buy the tickets on the verse hour and then register for classes. <laughs> okay. So that's the goal of it is to sell tickets. <clears throat> yeah, ticket sales right now at least. Okay. So you're going to use Kanye. Well, I've got popular music, not um, specific. Yet. You're going to use that to convince students to buy tickets to a bicycle race. To pay attention more. Okay, so, so the goal isn't to sell tickets with Kanye, it's to get people's brand awareness. Yeah. All right? I mean, I, that could be genius, beats me. But what you're talking about is going this way to go this way. Is instead of selling the wonders of the bicycle race, right? And why, how it's exciting, and you'll see your friends and. You know, hey, Ben Higgins, the bachelor, was there last year. Be a graduate, by the way. Instead of selling the bicycle race, you're selling sort of the feeling around it. This is a pop culture phenomenon. I, I can't wait to see it. I mean, this is like, what you guys are trying to do is tremendously sophisticated. Yeah. Uh, which is another way of saying it just might fall terribly badly. But, but it, might be, it might be genius, right? And the easy way is to sell the bike race. Come see the bike race. It'll be exciting. Somebody will win. There'll be a trophy. They'll be hugging and kissing. And a lot of sweating. Or, or come see, you know, this sort of cultural thing that you want to be part of. This is this isn't easy stuff, is it? It's like, like, wait, wait, that's that's really complicated. Anybody else working for anybody got an internship this summer or this this uh, spring? Yeah, where are you, you going to be? I'm actually stuck in the internship at Lighthouse Academy. Oh, oh, the the Christian school here. Oh. oh, different what? Different Lighthouse Academy. Charter. It's charter school. Mm -hmm. Okay, the one here in Bloomington. Yeah. And where? Indiana. Oh, there's lighthouse schools everywhere? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And what are you going to be doing with them? Marketing public relations, finding different donors, going with um, database, reaching out to those donors, and different forms of social media. Okay. And so you're only going to be working at, with light, lighthouse, the charter schools. You're going to be working with trying to build the donor base, not the student base. You're not trying to recruit students, you're trying to recruit donors. Recruit donors to recruit. Teachers. Okay. You're going to try to build the income side of the, of, of the operation. When do you start that? I already started. <laughs> okay. Do you, did they give you stuff to use, or can you develop, develop your own stuff? They just gave me information and a template of how to, you know, build a database. But after that, it was just like, you learn how to do this, and basically it's a learning experience. So it's trial and error right now. Okay. Have you been in the schools? Have you talked to the kids? Or yeah, I actually graduated from one of the schools. Okay. So you got a sense for what they do. Yeah. Okay. What's the most wonderful thing you get out of going to Lighthouse or helping Lighthouse? It's basically I know where I came from with the school, and to see it grow and be better will be just tremendously good. I got you. 
Right, that's that's for you. What about if I'm a donor? What? Why should I give money to, to Lighthouse? Basically, giving money to Lighthouse is I, that's why I don't have an answer to that because, like, it's so many other schools. But with Lighthouse, they're college preparatory, right? And I feel like if you want to see more minorities and stuff like that graduate. Okay. Anybody quickly distill that into a marketing message? <laughs> you heard what they said, all right? Like a tagline. Well, just like how do you? Okay. All right. All right. You want to? You want? You want to give students a chance mm -hmm. who wouldn't otherwise have a chance? Mm -hmm. And and what, what, when you do that, what happens? You feel good, right? Yeah. We want to increase the minority population and diversity in college universities. All right. And is there, there is a Christian element to this, right? Is it? It's not. Okay. It's totally different than because we have a Lighthouse Academy in Bloomington. That's definitely yeah, different. way different. Okay. All right. All right. So we're talking about lifting people up, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a lighthouse. What's that? Building a lighthouse. That's it. All right. What does the lighthouse do? And it gets people into a lighthouse, like the thing on the shore, right, with the light on the top, a beacon. A beacon, there's another good word, right? The light goes around like that, and people are out at sea, right? And they see the lighthouse, and rather than crashing the ship into the rocks and flunking out, okay, they, they instead they follow the light, and they're, they're, they're brought to shore and brought to a better life, right? Well, that's the lighthouse concept. All right, we can't do this now, but that would be where I would start. You got a name, lighthouse, you got a visual image, all things like you got a concept, you got a way, the goal here is to lift people up, you gotta get all of that into, into the marketing message. And they gave you a template and some database help. Alright, they need help. Alright, so that's where you gotta you gotta figure out how to reach those prospective donors. Right? What what words, what concepts, what thinking is is those prospective donors could be the lighthouse, be a beacon of hope. All right, you see how this process works? All right, but then it's, it's, it's like your genius is nice, okay? But it only works if you then call up a couple of those donors and say, hey, how would you like to be a beacon of hope? And they go, okay, then it doesn't work, all right? So you're gonna have to talk to people within the school, outside the school, and particularly people. All right, we got time for another case study. And again, this is from Adespia. I had a third one. It's in the it's in the slides that are not duo authenticated. I've got another, I've got my class at 11 o'clock, okay? I've got to figure this out. I've got to get like authenticated the next hour. And it's when you're not authentic, everyone knows. Okay, all right, this is a communications case study. We did the marketing uh, side of the business, right? Lead for the greater good. All right, uh, public affairs graduate school rankings from U.S. News and World Report come out every four years. And I know as you were looking at colleges, this you got every every college you applied to or thought of applying to or that your brother uh, Buffo went to was like the best, okay, because it was ranked that way. Uh, speed is ranked every four years. And we really only have one ranking that matters. And we were ranked uh, second in 2012, uh, right behind our friends at Syracuse. And the goal, one of the reasons they hired me was to get us from number two to number one. And this is out of 272 schools. So it's nice if your goal is to get to number one and you're at number two. If they hired me and we were at like 243 and they said, okay, Jim, get us to number one. Uh, good luck on that. How do the rankings, what are the rankings done based on? It's a totally, it's a reputational thing. They send a survey, US News does, it used to be a magazine, now they're just in the rankings business. They, they send a survey to deans and directors of programs at the 272 schools. 
and it says, who's number one, who's number two, who's number three? It's like, it's like popularity, it's like homecoming queen, okay? There's, there's no substance to it other than the substance that those people out there think is attached to your school. So, how do we get to number one from number two? One of the things we did is we sent them stuff. We sent them brochures, we created uh, magazines. We did all kinds of like things that they could hold that were glossy. One of them was actually embossed. Okay, you know, it's like that little ridges and stuff. Okay, that costs extra. <laughs> but when they held that in their hands, these deans and directors at the other 271 schools, they went, oh, and the Andy University Green Place, they embossed their folder. We can't ask for a vote. We can't call it up and go, hey, vote for us, okay? That would, that's really considered bad form. You don't do that. We came up with research publications. One of the things that the school rankings are based on is a sense of they're doing important work there, okay? And so you gotta, you gotta talk about the research doing. Dr. Fulton does work on the sort of mix of religion and politics, and so we promote his work both because uh, we want the whole country to know and we want to help people understand this important issue, but also because we want deans and directors and faculty members at other universities to go, oh, that Fulton guy's at Indiana now, he's doing important stuff. And even if they don't read it, and you know, frankly, maybe they won't, oh, Brad, laugh, right? You gotta read his stuff. But even if they don't read it, they get that sense that important stuff is happening there. But there's 272 schools that do this, and we all do about the same thing. And so there's actually, like, on my desk in the corner, there's, like, a stack of these glossy brochures and research reports and all that kind of thing. We advertised everywhere we thought we could find the audience. In the same way you're doing buses, we're on conference programs, response receptions, faculty members go to these conferences at, like, hotels in, like, Columbus, Ohio. And then you see, you have, like, a reception, and they all have... You know, like three glasses of wine, and that they love the place, okay? Because they see a big sign that says the reception, your drinks were bought by Speedo. All right? Okay. We sneak attack them because the other 271 school sponsor receptions have conference programs. We just bought for the National Association of Schools of Public Affairs, which is kind of the industry organization for these schools, just had their big conference. It was in Columbus at the Sheraton. We bought the Wi Fi password, okay? When people log on to the Wi Fi for the conference, they had to write SPIA, you know, in the password thing, okay? That cost us five grand, okay? But it made 500 people write SPIA as they logged onto their, onto their Wi-Fi. And so then they'll remember us, and yes. Does that, does that conference have, like, people from other competing schools? Yes. Did that, like, I'm not sure we were, like, them. Well, it's part of the game, right? Is but they know some somebody had to buy the password. It was like speeded at this time. Oh, and so someone always. Someone always. Oh, right, right. It's an opportunity. You can buy the elevators. You know, you ever read in like a conference center, right? And they got the little ads on the elevators. Okay, we did that for a conference in Chicago last year. We bought the elevators. Or you can buy the receptions or the conference programs or the digital conference programs. It's like this is the way the organizations like fund themselves. So they can put these things on, and it's also how you can reach this audience that you're trying to reach. Okay, and so we actually had a meeting in my office on what the Wi-Fi password should be for this conference. Okay, do we want to do something like leave for the greater, no, that's too many letters. Do we want to do like Indiana, but wait, there's like several different public affairs schools in Indiana, so we just ended up doing like speed. Point of this is that everybody does this stuff, okay? We just had, this, as I mentioned, this conference at, at, in Columbus, and there were probably 40 tables in front of the conference rooms 
where each university with public affairs school had a table and they had a candy bowl and they had brochures and they had one of those, we call it a sign on a stick, one of these big signs and ours said, you know, speed. And we, you know, all that stuff. But everybody had that. We were like, Auburn University was here and the University of Georgia was here and we were in the middle and we had a tablecloth that says speed on it and it actually says leave for the greater good. It does go for about $250, by the way, if you want your own tablecloth. And one of our little tricks is the other people have like Milky Ways and Snickers, okay? There's a company here in Bloomington that makes homemade caramels. And so we actually go there, we buy the caramels in bulk, and then we wrap them with a little paper with a little cardboard thing that says be on it. So when you unwrap the caramel, okay, you have to look at our message as part of it. Whereas if you unwrap a Snickers, right, it just says Snickers on it, okay? So this is like little granular detail stuff. So that makes it different. We have the caramels and they have Milky Ways. Caramels are great, yeah? Weren't you afraid people would love to know what they're eating with these Snickers instead of the caramel? There is that potential, yes. Yeah, not everybody wants to unwrap a, like a mystery piece of candy, okay? But come on, you know, if you're hungry and it's free, you're gonna take a shot, right? <laughs> What's the worst thing that can happen, right? And then it's memorable. That caramel is memorable. Okay? That's why you're doing the buses the way you're doing them. It's to remember that. You're not putting Neil Staka, you're not putting somebody from your parents' age on the buses, you're putting somebody that speaks to you. Caramels speak to me. Okay? They're local. You know, it's not like, like we went an extra step in trying to reach people, even with something that small. All right, I wanted to come up with another way to get people thinking good thoughts about a school that would separate us from all the other clowns like me who are doing everything that we're doing. And so, we actually worked with a public relations firm in New York that works with our faculty members and promotes their work in like Washington Post, New York Times, big time publications. And, and we have a contract with them and we front loaded the contract so as much of their hours as possible were spent promoting our people right at the moment that those ranking surveys went out. The goal there was to have somebody like read New York Times in the morning and go, Speaker Professor, Coastal Simon has done such and such work on the Affordable Care Act and blah, 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 blah. And then like two hours later, they go into the office, okay? And they get the survey and it says, and they like make the connection. Wait, Speed is doing this important work. I'm gonna rank them number one, okay? Theoretically, that was in my little dream, the way it would work, okay? But we spent a lot of money on, public, on promoting our faculty right around the time when the ranking surveys went out. And the other thing we did is look for a media outlet which would reach this small group of people, less than 300 people, okay? And my previous boss wanted to do billboards. That's not gonna work because we have to like put a billboard in front of each one of these people's houses, okay? That's not gonna work. And he, he wanted to do radio. And, and that wasn't, he wanted to do like, you know, hit radio. It's like, can we have to buy every radio station in the country? Well, that's not gonna work. And then he wanted to, he was like a big fan of The Late Show with, what's his name, Seward? Talk me on. Johnson. John Seward, right, what's that thing called? He's, they don't do it anymore, right? The Daily Show? Okay, good, is it on anymore? All right, my cultural experience like stopped in 1997. Like, nothing that's happened since then am I dimly aware of. I like to stop like in my car. All right, you wanted to do The Daily Show with John Seward. And I said, my boss, I said, if we advertise on that, they said, well, I said, how much can we spend? And he said, oh, I don't know, like $400,000. I said, that buys an ad, like one. And then we gotta go produce it. And then what if they're not watching that? Okay, that's on late, right? <coughs> and the people we're trying to reach are like me, they can go to bed at 30, Okay, that's not gonna work, isn't that show on late? It was, it's not anymore. Anyway, so that was good work. So I had to come up with another way to reach these people. So I started asking around our building. What do you listen to? What do you watch on TV? What papers do you read? And so forth. 
And the one common theme I heard was, I love NPR. I listen to NPR. NPR. In the morning, WFIU here in town, or whatever it is, wherever you're from, there's an NPR station everywhere. And NPR skews, their marketing research will tell you this, older, higher educated, and especially strong audience among people in higher education. It's like, bingo, we need to be on NPR, okay? So how do we get on NPR? So I started making phone calls, and I found how we could get to speed message on NPR. And it turns out, right at the time we were doing this, NPR, on their newscasts, All Things Considered, Morning Edition, they all talk like this, had a program called Cities Project. It was a series of reports about big issues in cities. Environment, cultural, economic, poverty, housing, transportation, all those things. Those are all things that speed us. Right, this will fit together. We sponsor Cities Project. People that are interested in the things we're interested in will listen to that, right? will be seen as promoting important journalism, and important journalism about the issues that we study as a school. They all kind of fit together. So, we sponsored Cities Project. We did it over 18 months, because if you do advertising, it, that one ad on John Stewart, okay, you might get three people who go, oh wait, look at that. But you need to have the message repeated over and over and over again. It's the bus that goes by, right? The first time you see one of these buses go by, all right, and it's about the semester or whatever they call that thing, you go, oh, what's that? But you see the bus go by over and over and over again. The message repeats itself. So we were on for 18 months. We were on morning and evening news nationally and some other public affairs programs. Marketplace is one of them. And our message was simple. On NPR, you can't advertise, that's <coughs> national public radio. You can't say, we're the best school. They don't allow you to do anything that's qualitative like that. You can't say, Syracuse sucks, okay? They don't, you know. The whole point of NPR is that it's this like lofty thing, and you only get 11 seconds. And they actually time it out to this split second when your message is. And so our message was the School of Public and Environmental Affairs at Indiana University, Bloomington, SPIA, and this is how it was written out for the announcer who talks like this, is committed to preparing leaders and advancing knowledge for the greater good. On the web at spia.indiana.edu. That was our 11 seconds. We spent $400,000 for that. But it ran over and over and over again on NPR programming around the nation and on the web, on the radio and on the web. Well, the results of that message were fabulous, as far as we could tell. We had one family drive here, show up in Spia, and go, our kid was going to go to, I don't know, Ohio State, and we wanted, because you guys sponsored the programs we love, he's going to come here. <coughs> we got faculty members. This guy, listening to the radio in Durham, Durham was in Durham, yeah. Okay, all right, here's this message, and you're thinking about, you know, <coughs> explain what happened here. Yeah, so I was on the job market, looking for jobs, and had offers around the country, and Steel was one of them, and as I was in the process of considering the different options, I was washing my dishes one morning, and I'm listening to NPR like I do every morning. I just heard, you know, this is underwritten by Steel, the exact blurb that he put, had up there. What it stood out to me was I was in Durham, North Carolina, and yet Steel was being nationally recognized or, you know, sort of had a national impact. And that's about me. If I was in Indiana or in Bloomington and I heard it, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, it's local. But right. hearing it in Durham, right. it stood out to me. Right. And uh, that and like a million other reasons why he came here was one of the goals of the campaign. The, the ultimate goal was to win this rankings thing, but it was also to get people to like the place. We got calls from uh, alumni around the country and emails that said, I'm driving down the highway in Tampa, and, and that's my school. I was so proud of you guys at that moment, okay? So that's, that meant to us that it was kind of working. So the ranking sheets went out in late fall. This is now, unfortunately, this was late fall a year ago, not late fall this year. And this is, <laughs> the slides are old. So just, just pretend with me. We're number one, okay? 
And so we found out we're number one. We moved from number two to number one. Yay, victory, right? And then we had about uh, a week to prepare a communications plan to tell the world about this, because if you're number one, you want to kind of let people know, right? Before the former announcement, there's what was called an embargo. We found out we were number one. We couldn't even tell you guys, or you guys for that matter, but your marketing communications office knew it. And we'd already built a communications plan ahead of time, thinking that this might happen, knowing that we were going to get ranked either one, two, or three, largely. And so on the day that we could finally announce the rankings, we had email blasts to our alumni. We alerted our distinguished alumni council, the dean's council. Those are some of our big-time donors. We let them actually know the day before and told them to keep a secret. Keep a secret. People love that. If you tell them something ahead of time, people love Oh, wow, I know something that other people don't know. We told them to keep a secret, and they did. We emailed prospective students on the day of the announcement so that you're weighing, especially if you're a graduate student, and you're thinking, I might go to Syracuse, or I might go to Harvard, or I might go to Georgia, or I might go to Michigan. Wait, SPIA is number one? I want to go to SPIA! Who I want to be part of number one? And they found out on the day that the announcement was made, not like two weeks later, on the day it happened. And again, that makes you more excited about a place, right? We had a SPIA-specific news release on our website. We had an IU news release that included SPIA because there were some other rankings came out that day. We had a banner in the atrium, the big space in the middle of the building. We're number one. Posters on the TV monitors, emails, we just went on and on. There's just a whole lot of work involved in this. We did a lot of social media around it because it's the kind of thing people want to share, right? I went to that school, it's not number one. You want to tell people that, right? You want to like that. Uh, we had a Facebook post, 139,000 people. It was liked 3,300 times, shared 660 times. That was really good money uh, invested for us because it didn't cost that much. 61 comments, almost all of them positive. We had Twitter posts, we reached at least 100,000 people. Our primary tweet, we're number one, uh, retweeted 34 times, which now this is a year ago, we'd be better than that now. And we had an Instagram post, we were on Instagram, by the way. Generated 72 likes, which again, isn't a huge amount, but that stuff's free, so all good. We were in the newspaper, we were on the radio, we were on TV in Indianapolis, which is pretty good for a relatively smaller school at, at IU. The overall keys, whether you're doing communications or marketing, whatever, is determine your audience, who we're trying to reach. In this case, it was spot leaders, faculty members around the country. In the case of the greater good thing, it was prospective students. Figure out your message. Make sure you've come up with the best way to communicate the message, like these guys with a little five, driving the buses around. Uh, and then follow up with metrics. Try to figure out whether it's actually getting to people. You guys will track ticket sales. You know, you will know whether you're doing doing right or not doing right. And if nobody buys tickets to a little five, then you probably did something wrong. If you sell the thing out in the first hour, then you're geniuses and you can go have like Cheetos. But you're gonna know. I mean, that's one of the metrics, is how many how many donations come in to Lighthouse? How many students come in? How many faculty members come in? Where you stand in the rankings? Make sure you have a way to track those numbers. Think about that ahead of time. When you get dragged in front of your board at your nonprofit and they go, hey, high price, fancy marketing dude, how is what you're doing working? You better have a way to say, it is, we're going from here to here. Direct communications is a big thing in our thing now. It's not so much going to the media. We keep doing news releases. We use as many avenues as we can just in this course of this. We've talked about emails and social media, about buses, about radio, about the John Stewart Show, about web content, banners. There's a zillion ways. You want to be brief, minimize acronyms, uh, write for regular people. Oh, some fondly advice. Fondly advice here. Okay. Listen and observe. We talked about that, right? I listen to conversations around the building. Uh, observe how people talk about it. Okay. If you go on a job interview, or an internship interview and lunch is part of the deal, don't order the soup. Okay, 
why you not order the soup, right? Who looks good eating soup, okay? All right, whoever takes a selfie, I'm eating soup, okay? And soup has a way of being splattering, right? All right, and you're a, you're a gentleman, all right? You're wearing a tie, okay? And you, a white shirt, and you've got like three hours of interviews left, and you've got like you know, pasta stains on your shirt. It's a bad look. Okay, don't order soup or spaghetti at a job interview or lunch. And there's one other, and this is really important, and if you've got a writing utensil, write this down, okay? When you do get a job, okay, all right, don't blow off the ID photo. <laughs> A man in a trench coat who looks like he's about to be arrested for doing illicit acts. That's all I got. Thunder it, thunder it, thunder it. All right.